in the altcoin season, if you are not searching for crypto gems on KuCoin, you're doing it wrong. As the home of altcoins, KuCoin is offering over 600 tradable coins. Whether you are a beginner or professional trader, you can always find a good product fit on KuCoin, ranging from earning products with passive income to derivatives trading with up to 100 times leverage. Sign up today to find the next crypto gem in DeFi, GameFi, NFT, and Metaverse. Join us with 10 million global investors and claim your $500 welcome bonus now. Welcome to KuCoin. It's K-U-C-O-I-N. Sign up to get a 500 USDT welcome bonus. Hello, everyone. My name is Ben, and as usual, I'm the host of today's podcast. Today, our special guest is Ori from Orca. Welcome to the show, Ori. Thanks so much for having me, Bob. Yeah, so Ori, uh, you know, before we begin, I always like to start off, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, How did you get started in crypto and, you know, what and what is Orca, essentially? Of course. So I would say that I actually just kind of got pulled down the rabbit hole by my co-founder, Yutaro. I think many of us have a similar story about being pulled down the crypto rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was actually living in Tokyo at the time and I was working as a designer. So really nothing to do with crypto. And honestly, I think I was the last person to ever expect myself to get into crypto either. But what I am is an engineer and a designer. And I just love making things and trying to make anything that ultimately like drives value to the world in a new and kind of like unproven way. Um, And so during COVID, actually, um, I actually moved in across the hall from my co-founder in our apartment in Tokyo. And, you know, one thing led to another. Um, Tokyo kind of set down and then we or shut down and we had a lot of free time on our hands all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So uh, one day I was just like over breakfast, I was like, you know, I'm an engineer and a designer, you're an engineer, we're both kind of bored. Should we just like start hacking on some side projects? Um, you know, one thing led to another, we started building on Ethereum, and then uh, played some a little bit around with some projects there discovered that we really liked working together. And I liked working on crypto. And uh, before we knew it, we got a grant from the Solana Foundation to build Orca. Yeah, you know, uh, I've been hosting a lot of this podcast, and all the stories are quite familiar. So yeah, I, I completely get how you, you know, once you get down the rabbit hole, you'll never leave. That's what I always see. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of still funny to me, like I said, that I'm in this industry because, you know, I still, I'm absolutely, I don't trade, you know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. definitely like not driven by money. You know, I don't even ever look at prices, um, but yep. really what, uh, what draws me here is the ability to build something that is so like radically different. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like people like us who really have no like backing, you know, no like particular background um, can still like make something that's really impactful and have that take off. Yeah, cool. So uh, we we talked about Orca, right? You mentioned how you and your co-founder founded Orca, but what is Orca? Sure. So Orca is the leading crypto marketplace on Solana. I can say leading in that we, at least over the last six months, we've actually driven more volume than any other competing protocol in the Solana ecosystem. So that's over $15 billion, according to our internal calculations, uh, wow. which is fair about. And uh, yeah, I think I would say what we're known for um, is really bringing that human-centered touch. And so Orca's mission, now that we've been workshopping it, the mission that I'm currently liking the phrasing of is to create economic opportunity through a human-centered approach. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to crypto technology. Okay, so let me break it down. Uh, when you talk about you know trading volume, so is uh, Orca a DEX? Uh, but because from what I understand, uh, you guys are more like a DEX aggregator, something like more like akin to one inch. Uh, is that correct or am I wrong? Or are you guys more like a all-in-one uh, trading platform for you know different uh, coins, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's actually the the latter, the all-in-one trading platform. It's a concentrated mm -hmm. liquidity AMM at its core. Mm -hmm. um, so not quite an aggregator in that sense. Uh, but what Orca does have to its name is this completely open source, custom, concentrated liquidity smart contract called Whirlpools uh, mm -hmm. that anyone can use to directly create a trading pair of any two fungible tokens in the Solana ecosystem and use that to, to bootstrap, you know, whatever it is that they want, whether it's, you know, just trading for two tokens or um, even something like powering a, an in-game economy. Oh, so you mentioned that you, uh, the Orca team got a grant from Solana and, you know, I usually like to ask why, why Solana, you know, there are a lot of other chains. Why, why pick this one? So Solana actually originally caught the eye of my co-founder and myself um, when SBF decided to, well, I shouldn't say just SBF, it's essentially FTX to build uh, mm -hmm. Serum. I think that was kind of a testament to the fact that Solana really did provide uh, unparalleled performance compared to other L1s. Um, and mm -hmm. I think it was a pretty shocking idea that it could do so without sharding at the time. Uh, so basically took a deeper look. Honestly, all the credit goes to my co-founder here. He's like kind of like the te technical mind behind Orca. We always joke that he's mm -hmm. the big brain, um, the smart contract architect, et cetera, and did some due diligence. So it's like, damn, this this chain really has like the potential to, to power um, applications of like a scale that was never seen before while still like really caring about principles of like decentralization, security, et cetera. And then after talking to the core Solana team, just also found that they were staffed by like very dedicated and I think pretty incredible engineers. And given that we both mm -hmm. come from an engineering background, I think it felt like a really a breath of fresh air to talk to L1 founders who had come from building like really large distributed networks before and were prepared to deal with all of the challenges that come with that in a real world environment. You, you mentioned uh, earlier on that you first started off experimenting on Ethereum, which I think that's the normal route for most developers. But uh, obviously Solana is in a different programming language, right? It's Rust. Uh, how has that been, you know, the transfer to switching programming language, et cetera. Has that been difficult while building a Solana? So honestly, I feel like people put a little bit too much emphasis on programming language. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've done that much programming or whether you're <laughs> quite experienced with it, but at the end of the day, I feel like programming is more about the core concepts. It's about like yep. thinking like a programmer and then learning a language is like less daunting than it like learning a, you know, Spanish versus Japanese versus yeah, yeah. Arabic, like it's really just like translating those concepts. I think what was more difficult, at least for me coming from a non-smart uh, contract programming background is learning to think like a smart contract programmer, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're doing front-end development, it's very much just like ship something, get something out the door. It's okay if it breaks. And <laughs> like, that is definitely not yeah. the, the, the mindset, right? For like smart contract programming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I just want to clarify, not a programmer. Uh, I actually come from legal background, so yeah, you could say it's the opposite of programming. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks for clarifying. 
Yeah, yeah, no problem. I mean, I legal is kind of its, it's whole thing. Uh, we we joke sometimes <laughs> in DC about legal engineering because I think you no, know, regardless of whether you're writing code or not, there's like a certain mindset about how to break down problems and think of them in a very logical way that transcends mm -hmm. fields that we always look for. So, yeah, cool. So uh, I I know for a fact that Orca has quite a busy month or months so far. Like you mentioned, over the last six months, have been very busy. You know, becoming the leading. Uh, trading liquidity platform, but I also know for a fact that in September you had quite a lot of things happening, including the Orca Climate Initiative. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about it? Sure. So the Orca Climate Fund is actually part of like the larger Orca protocol that specifically focuses on fighting climate change, and this is something that came out of essentially like Utaro and my desire to ensure that Orca had a positive impact on the world from day one. So I think there's two parts to that. One is the mission that I described earlier, which is around economic opportunity. Uh, but the second is about what, you know, I personally see as like the biggest threat to humanity today, which is, is climate change. And just kind of mm -hmm. felt a responsibility to do something about that with, you know, essentially the power uh, that we had as founders, um, and, and, you know, as a, as like the founder of a protocol, not as founder of like a centralized company, the most you can do is try to really imbue those values into the DAO. And so that's what I'm really excited to see like actually happening now uh, with the climate fund. So in September, we have two things that were announced. Uh, one was actually the, the formalization of the donation that was voted on by the community last year um, of a portion of all the trading fees that went to the treasury. And that was actually 550,000 uh, US dollars, which went to the Ocean Conservancy to fund a grants program for folks working on like local climate change initiatives. The second is actually a, a piece that I contributed to, um, which was published on Orca's Medium, which was actually kind of an accounting of Orca's own impact on climate and sort of mm -hmm. this long story of like that, what that actual uh, process looked like to try to understand uh, what Orca could actually do to um, take responsibility for the protocol's own impact on the environment. Uh, kind of a segue here, but obviously your name is Orca and you know, the killer whale. Uh, is there is there any meaning behind it? Is that kind of why, you know, from day one, you guys were very passionate about the environment and that's kind of where the name came from? <laughs> Actually not so much. You know, to, to <laughs> what I always uh, tell is that the real origin of Orca is like, you know, there's there's kids who are like obsessed with ponies and like kids who are obsessed with puppies. But like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with orca whales. Like I just love them. My sister and I have this great photo of us at SeaWorld before we realized that that was unethical with like a giant orca. Um, but the way that kind of came in later is actually, you know, when I was doing user research with folks in the crypto space already, and especially in DeFi, I just found that folks kind of love that like silliness that comes with animals, right? And we see it now mm -hmm. with dogecoin and like shib and people are just like crazy about animals so i felt like that yeah. was a great relatable concept but we wanted an animal that was nonetheless like quite powerful and quite elegant while still being mm -hmm. a little bit cute and uh orca's just perfect you know especially with all the liquidity and like pools um oh yeah, yeah all that terminology <laughs> all themes. <works> perfectly <laughs> yeah so you mentioned about how you wrote a report on Orca's impact or Orca's environmental impact, right? And how you can be more sustainable. Uh, could you elaborate more on how how do you actually measure this, right? Because I think this is a larger question, not just for Orca, but anyone in the space who wants to be more uh, climate conscious, 
you know, we had ClimateDAO who were buying carbon credits, you know, trying to jeopardize carbon credits. There are also initiatives like that. But at the same time, it's also kind of a bit of a oxymoron because, you know, there's always that whole argument that, oh, you know, crypto is bad for the environment. You know, it consumes a lot of energy. Uh, we need to be more carbon neutral, et cetera. So how, how do you deal with this oxymoron or this contradiction? So that's exactly why we wanted to do this due diligence and also try to unpack this issue a little bit so that other DeFi founders, other like DAOs can can better understand it without having to go down the deep rabbit hole that we did. And so I I guess I'll simplify um, mm -hmm. and start with kind of the what we actually found. Um, one of which is that it's not as simple as just thinking of like each transaction costs uh, this much energy. Uh, so that was something that we kind of hoped would be a shortcut in the sense that like we had actually read Solana's climate uh, reports as a starting point and they had published that a single Solana transaction takes something like 2,000, 3,000 joules, which is really not much, right? They had compared it to something like two to three Google searches, uh, mm -hmm. also that much energy. Uh, and so, you know, that would make you think that it's just simple math, right? Like take how many transactions Orca puts on chain, multiply by that joules, and then you have the amount of energy, and then you can convert that into mm -hmm. uh, tons of carbon based on the energy efficiency of Solana validators. But unfortunately, <laughs> it is never as simple as you would hope. And so what we actually found is, although they did come up with that metric based on like the total number of transactions on chain and the number of validators, et cetera. It, it really doesn't scale linearly that way. Like one mm -hmm. transaction doesn't cost a certain amount because validators can accommodate up to a certain amount of transactions. We're not even at that level right now where we're like maxing out the validators. And so like more transactions doesn't mean more validators and validators are essentially these like servers, which are the ones that are actually um, producing the, the carbon, right? And mm -hmm. so if we think about uh, the network as a whole, and we came to the conclusion that it makes more sense to think of like transactions as kind of the responsibility of the actual blockchain. And Solana already does offset um, the, at least for 2021, they, they offset all of the carbon produced by the Solana network, which really isn't that big. And like in the article, I made a comparison where let's say, you know, the average flight might produce like one metric ton of carbon. And so if you just think about like the flights to, to Breakpoint, which is Solana's annual conference, there's 5,000 attendees. That's like more than, uh, the entire Solana network generated for a whole year. So like, it's a very, very different scale. Right. Uh, but what, protocols and like DAOs that put transactions on chain can be um, directly responsible for is actually like our RPC nodes, which are the yep. servers building these transactions uh, to the network. And so one of the things that we've committed to um, publicly in this article um, and also plan to do on chain, if at all possible, is to actually offset uh, the, the carbon that's produced both by the RPC nodes that Orca pays for and also uh, the flights of the, the the Orca contributors who are going to Breakpoint. Awesome, awesome. Uh, it sounds very uh, ambitious. You know, there's a lot of calculations and commitment involved. And, you know, I think this speaks to the, the larger picture within crypto, right? Because from what I can see, crypto, because of its ease of accessibility, anyone can just enter the space. Uh, and also because it's a nascent industry, there's a lot of undocumented or, you know, not very consistent practices across the board. And from what I can tell, Orca, you know, is trying to push for something like a sustainability report, right? This is like a sustainability practice for how a DAO should act. And 
Uh, it's very commendable. I I personally am, uh, really like this because my my personal observation is that there's just not enough. Uh, you know, people we always like to talk about how DAOs are very, um, you know, they are the new frontier. But actually, there's a lot of traditional practices that we can learn from, like corporate governance, corporate sustainability, and this seems to me like one of those uh, principles that you guys are employing in the crypto space. Yeah, I really appreciate that because it is like a very complicated issue, like you alluded to mm -hmm. earlier. Like I could get into, although I won't get into for time's sake now, <laughs> um, why I think like, you know, the real impact is actually trying to build a financial system that's overall just more climate friendly than TradFi, right? Like that's mm -hmm. a whole nother way of looking at the issue. Um, but what's most important, I think right now is really just getting people to start thinking about this issue. And that's where I want to give a huge shout out to fellow Orca Climate Fund contributors to Zen and Andy, who worked on this report with me, especially to Zen for actually being the one to, to push us uh, to think more about what Orca and the Climate Fund could directly do. Um, where, you know, originally I was thinking, okay, we'll just like donate and that's great. You know, we'll empower mm -hmm. others to make an impact. But I think it's really important for these protocols to start thinking about their, their own impact. Um, and that's like something that scales over time, right? Is if you get other yep. people to actually start behaving in a way they might not have otherwise. Uh, I, I, it's, it's SBS favorite phrase, right? Effective altruism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a loaded phrase, but uh, I think there, there's <laughs> truth to it. But at the same time, like, I think it's easy for people to just say, okay, well, then I'll just like donate and I'm absolved of guilt, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, not the approach. So so, you know, this speaks to me about the, like I said, again, you know, the kind of the inherent characteristic of crypto, uh, how everything is under DAOs, right? And uh, I would like to talk a little bit more on that topic, right, of DAO since Orca is obviously a DAO as well. Um, you know, I think just over the last week, Mango Markets was re recently hacked for about $100 million. And the DAO was later manipulated manipulated to try and absolve the hacker of any liability. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on this? You know, I guess we kind of talked a little bit about climate, the climate initiative, but obviously you also have to get the members of your community to agree to this initiative, you know, kind of vote one chain. So what is your what are your current thoughts on the overall state of governance now? Ooh, well that's a heavy yeah, big one. Big question. All, it's a big yeah. question. <laughs> I want to first just like extend my deep sympathy for everyone involved. Like I think Mango is definitely one of the top teams in Solana. I have a ton mm -hmm. of respect for them and really, really hope to see everything, everyone get back on their feet quickly. Um, second, I'm going to say that, you know, DAOs are really an unsolved problem. It's something I spent so much time thinking about is how to even start approaching the problems of like resolving the different reasons why people are excited about DAOs. I think like some folks are very ideological in terms of what they'd like to see DAOs accomplish. Um, there's sort of like, I think a lot of angst depending on your cultural background yeah. about um, how, how do DAOs like be more inclusive? How do DAOs be more open? How do DAOs like kind of upend the traditional structures? And, mm -hmm. you know, having worked in very traditional company environments in the past, I've seen both a lot of good and a lot of bad kind of like, as you alluded to. So I, I personally don't take the opinion that decentralized equals better, right? I think 
what equals better is ultimately like creating better alternatives um, to the the existing financial system in the ways that it does fall short, which is often like access. Um, that's mm -hmm. why I think Orca's mission is really to open up access to to markets that others may not otherwise have, right? And especially depending on your country of origin. Uh, but I think when it comes to DAOs that are essentially trying to fund development uh, that is in a very competitive ecosystem, effectiveness ultimately still needs to be like a huge priority. Um, and I think when it comes to like effectiveness versus like ideological um, concerns, there's a very tough balance to strike mm -hmm. there. Uh, and we've seen a lot of like um, <laughs> stumbles with that. Yeah. Um, in the past, and with, with something like this mango incident, I think one thing that we've learned is that when the scope of a protocol is very large, that will pose a challenge in terms of like ensuring that essentially all of the, the risks are mitigated, right? Um, a wider scope of, you know, essentially lending and borrowing and margin training and perps means that there's a lot of risk and a lot of potential mm -hmm. for, for exploits from the DAO point of view, as well as from the smart contract point of view. And so DAOs also need to be thought of in terms of risk. Sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's a good answer. And, you know, I, I just want to pick up on the point where you said, you know, decentralization does not always mean uh, better, right? And I completely agree, but I know this might be controversial because, you know, like you said, there is a big part of crypto who, you know, are all for decentralization and, you know, anything centralized is bad. But to be fair, it's it's there is no such thing as pure decentralization, right? There will always be an element of centralization. Uh, it's a balancing, it's a scale. There's no 100% of each. And you know, I myself am very interested in DAOs and you know how they regulate governance and all that. And you know, what are your thoughts on the current DAO model and how can we improve? Because from what I can tell, it's it's merely a replication of the current company shareholder model, which is trapped by, you know, it's, there's nothing really different about it. Mm -hmm. I think that is what people are used to. And so that's what people are trying to replicate, right? And if mm -hmm. I was going to be a little contentious, I would say the same thing of like, order books. It's that that's just yep. what people are used to. So that's <laughs> what they're trying to replicate, even if that doesn't really make sense on chain. So if we really go down to the basics, or I sometimes tease people for saying this, but first principles is what crypto people love to talk about. So first <laughs> principles, um, like what makes blockchains really unique and special, I'd say is to some degree, like the, the visibility and transparency that's enforced mm -hmm. by things being on chain, right? And I think what that actually can lead to is like a, a fairer system, right? Because it, it forces people to be a little bit more accountable in terms of like how funds are moved on chain. And so if we think about like how DAOs can be an improvement on what exists already, I think like accountability through visibility is one of the principles that I've suggested um, as something for Orca's governance to strive for. Um, there's, I think, also uh, sort of a safety first principle where uh, mm -hmm. you need to essentially like ensure that the quality of the code and the quality of the DAO structure uh, kind of ensures the safety of funds, right? And as opposed to everything kind of like being based on centralized trust. And so I think those are like two things to, to think about uh, when it comes to like things that DAOs are sort of naturally disposed to being uh, better at than a traditional company. Uh, just want to add on. I 
what what are your thoughts on you know any technical changes right because from like for example the mango incident right what was very obvious is that you know the current system is money money votes are decided by money right if you have more tokens you have more votes i mean don't you think that kind of model is outdated that there might be other alternatives like for example weightage you know determining your addresses based on uh, limiting the amount of votes you can have based on weight. So maybe only with this address, no matter how many tokens it has, it can only have 1% of the vote. And, you know, stuff like that. There's all sorts of things we can experiment on chain. And uh, I, I just personally feel that it's quite... Uh, why isn't there more experimentation? That's, that's my question. Well, you're a lawyer, so you're probably honestly much better <laughs> equipped to... <laughs> Uh, to kind of think of systems than I am. But if I were to posit on this and what's mm -hmm. been drilled into my head with like a million conversations with Yutaro, my co-founder, is really that most systems are fairly gameable. I think that gameability is really like the, the root of the problem, right? It's fun yeah. and easy to think about like, okay, if we could limit each address, um, you know, and each address uh, represented a person, then we can uh, limit that person's share of voting power. But the reality is like any number of people can create any number of addresses. Exactly. So yeah. unless you're going to enforce KYC um, and then you're just centralized, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> like, that that's kind of not really an option, right? And so I yep. think the reason why more experimentation hasn't really happened is that most systems can be gamed such that they're actually like worse off uh, for mm -hmm. having used additional constraints, which is why like radical simplicity has the benefit of at least being like understandable and those attack vectors are easily understandable. And so that's kind of where I think we're really in this nascent stage when it comes to DAOs where uh, simplicity has just at least fewer faults uh, yep. than complexity. That's, and a, that's the reason. I, it's, it's what they say, right? You know, democracy is not perfect, but it's the best form of governance we have right now. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And that's why it I think it's really kind of bizarre that people are so obsessed with thinking like decentralization is good. Decentralization is bad because like full decentralization to taken to an extreme is just anarchy. Right. And like mm -hmm. no one wants like an anarchic design by consensus society, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. You know, we, we kind of talk a lot about DAOs. I, I guess this is the one to dial it back to kind of close off the session. Uh, you know, Orca obviously has been doing a lot of these initiatives. So, you know, in terms of governance, in terms of environmental impact, you know, managing your environmental impact, what are your plans for the next year or so? You know, at least during the bear, you know, what happens when the bull market comes? What's Orca's plans? So Orca's goal really doesn't change. I think whether whether it's a bear market <laughs> or a bull market, and ultimately that is to provide the infrastructure for a better financial system and also for people to create, I think, new things that we, we can't even think of right now that drive value to society. And so what Orca is really doing right now is to prepare for all of the things that can be built on top of Orca, right? To be that ultimate DeFi Lego that people can use to build things that are of new value. I think the one that's really easy for people to see and understand right now is like GameFi in that it's very mm -hmm. different than core DeFi, uh, but Orca ha is already powering games, right? Like Genopets uh, that mm -hmm. are using the bootstrap liquidity. And I think that is like entertainment is always something that humans need and is a value in itself, right? But I think entertainment is just really the tip of the iceberg. And so what Orca is trying to do is build these really human-centered primitives so that anyone who wants to launch their own 
essentially token, um, which is really the basis of anything built on crypto, can do so more easily, more reliably, and more efficiently, right? And do it, use also a protocol that they they believe is actually kind of focused on on doing good and like doing right by the people using it. Uh, so a lot of core technology improvements, working on our SDK, making things more usable, both on the smart contract side and by um, by other developers. All right. Um, before we round off the session and you know, close it off, are there any other last things that I missed that you might have wanted to address, basically? Uh, are there any questions that I didn't ask, but you wanted to answer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that maybe uh, one question that we could get into more deeply, but I'll just address really briefly is why is Orca the leading crypto marketplace mm -hmm. on Solana? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, this gets into this really long debate about order books versus concentrated liquidity AMMs. But I want to just throw out there that I think there's a huge misconception and even like the framing of that argument in that a concentrated liquidity AMM is essentially just another implementation of really like a order book at its core. It can mm -hmm. do all the things that an order book can do if extended. And, and long-term, I think that's another thing that we want to foster is for people to build all of these things like limit orders, et cetera, on top of, and, um, on top of Whirlpools, which is Orca's concentrated liquidity AMM. But it has the benefit of being much, much more efficient because it is designed for a blockchain and for the Solana VM in particular. Um, and up to, you know, according to our latest measures, like 25 times fewer transactions per dollar traded uh, than an order book, which ultimately, if, you know, we do see a Solana blockchain that's a lot more congested in the future, means that it will also be a lot more profitable and essentially a lot more capital efficient uh, to use um, Orca for, for powering trading volume. And so I think basically what I want to get at is like from a conceptual point of view, they're really, really not that different, um, yeah. but in terms of what they can do, but Orca is much more computationally efficient, uh, which is good for the blockchain and good for market makers and traders. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you kind of rounded it up pretty well. Uh, I myself am quite familiar with consolidated liquidity, etc. Uh, you know, there, there, this is a whole other topic, right? There's a lot of things to cover yeah. here as well as, as well as concentrated liquidity uh, managers as well. It's quite difficult to manage, and a lot of, for example, the Uniswap experiment. A lot of people are still, you know, more comfortable with just Uniswap V2 because it's. Is less hectic, right? People go to Uniswap v3, but they kind of use the Uniswap v2 parameters. Uh, basically, just it's it's still a tough thing to manage on the blockchain, from yeah. what I understand. I'm not sure whether that's true or not. Yeah, uh, I especially mean, for the users. For sure, I think again we we go back to what are the goals here, right? The goal is to build a system that allows people to build really interesting things on top of blockchains and do so efficiently. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit incendiary, but like the goal is not to allow any random person to like get rich as a market maker, even if they have no knowledge of how to market make, right? Like I, there <laughs> might've been some time where that was possible with like yield farming rewards on Uni V2, but I don't think that leads us to a, like a more equitable or merit-based society for people who just like have access to blockchains to be able to make money with really like no particular value or knowledge contributed, mm -hmm. right? We want to build a better system uh, that creates more efficient markets. Uh, and I think a concentrated liquidity AMM is absolutely the right tool for that. All right. I, I think with that, we kind of covered uh, quite a lot. 
Thank you so much for your time, Ori, for coming on to Coin Gecko's podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a blast. <laughs>